Welcome to Parenting Connection Talks, where we bring you insight from the experts who can help you navigate life with teens and tweens. I'm Clarissa Constantine, your host and founder of the Parent Tween Connection. I've worked with teenagers and their families for more than 20 years, and I believe that the more supported and knowledgeable their parents and members of the proverbial village feel, the better they can connect with and advocate for their teens and tweens. And ultimately, that means we'll lose fewer kids to suicide. So join us as Parent Tween Connection talks about anything and everything teen and tween related. And when we're done, we invite you to come on over to our Facebook group to continue the conversations. Today's guest is Kelly Melissa Hansen, founder of BCC Evolution. Kelly is a warrior for mental health and has dedicated her life to save as many lives as possible by normalizing the conversation around mental health and suicide. After losing her middle sister to a completed suicide in 2017, she founded BCC Evolution, a mental health and suicide awareness nonprofit, which is on a mission to ACE. What does ACE mean? Increase awareness, cultivate conversation, and provide education. Kelly's a mom to three incredible kids. She's a thrill seeker, an adventurer, and she's a tattoo connoisseur. And you can totally tell that from her headshot. She's a mental wellness coach, a mental health educator and speaker. She actually has a bachelor's of arts in communication with a minor in psychology and is an NLP master practitioner certified from the worldwide institutes of neurolinguistic programming. She's certified as an adult, youth, and teen instructor for mental health first aid, and she's an author in three collaborative books. She's been featured in an array of publications, including Authority Magazine, Thrive Global, The Happy Head Podcast UK, Life Story Curator, and many more, which can all be found on her website at bccevolution.org. Kelly and I took the time today to talk about mental health, how to talk about uh, suicide and how to start the conversation with the teens in your world. And she pulled on some resources from the mental health first aid program that focuses on supporting youth. She's a firm believer that it only takes one adult to save a life. And that's why she's passionate about teaching the youth focused mental health first aid classes. Listen in from an expert who may just have the magic saying for you to use when you have a teen in crisis in your world. Kelly, thank you so much for joining me. Appreciate having you here. Yeah, thank you so much for having me also. I really, really appreciate it. Absolutely. You know, mental health is absolutely a top topic for a lot of families, Um, especially as we've come through the pandemic. We know that, you know, teenagers just developmentally, time with their friends is appropriate during their teenage years. And, you know, the pandemic hit, the world shut down (laughs) and all of a sudden they couldn't be with their peers. None of us could. And, you know, so we, we absolutely know that we've been, I mean, we were in a mental health crisis for a long time before the pandemic hit and then things have gotten crazier since then. And I know that suicide hits very close to home for both of us, especially teenage suicide attempts. And so I'm really excited to have you with me. So let's start out talking about suicide rates for youth. Let's talk Colorado. Let's talk nationally. What can you tell us? I mean, the, like you said, I mean, with the pandemic, we're seeing so much more challenges with mental health, but yeah, youth 
youth suicide is on the rise. And specifically in Colorado, it is now the first leading cause of death for ages 10 to 14. And that blows my mind because one, how at that young of an age would you already know potentially how to complete? And two, it's just getting younger and younger. And the statistics tell you, I mean, the number one leading cause of death used to be car accidents and now it's suicide. So there's something happening that we absolutely need to talk about. Absolutely. And then talk to us about the national rates because we certainly have a, a reach with our podcast beyond Colorado. So what does this mean nationally here in the U.S.? Yeah, nationally, I mean, nationally, it's not too far off, but nationally, it is the second leading cause of death for ages 10 to 34. So it's not that far off, but it's still the second leading cause of death nationally in the United States, the second leading cause of death. Absolutely. And so there's two things that come up as we have this conversation, two thoughts that come up. Number one, yes, our focus at Parent Tween is primarily on families that have kids between the ages of 10 and 20. But as I know, you and I have talked extensively and any any person who's familiar with the physiology and emotional maturation process of the human being recognizes that our brains aren't even fully formed until 25, 26, 27 years old. So that's I think it makes sense that we look at a national rate on a, a broader age range because it's I mean, that even goes 10 years beyond that. But it, it speaks to the fact that, you know, we're not out of the woods just when a kid hits 18 and becomes a quote unquote legal adult. Yeah, it. I mean, that's why when you look at the national statistics, right, you do have that broader age range. And I love that you did point out that your brain isn't fully developed. So understanding that youth in general, it could literally be a moment mm -hmm. of time because they feel like everything right now is so, so real. And as parents, we're like, you know, you'll get over it, right? Like life goes on, but really, truly, it, it doesn't for them. Like it is Absolutely. just so real for them right then. So we need to start acknowledging that. Well, and I think this also speaks to what you had said. Um, that the second point that I know you wanted to make is that a single adult can make a significant impact in a young adult's life. And I think part of this is recognizing, as you said, you know, that they're things are intense for them. And even, you know, as, as we're speaking about it, you said they feel real to them. Well, they are real to them. Like the intensity of the emotion, like we can look at it with fully developed frontal cortex and go, okay, you're going to get over it. You're going to be fine in the whole scheme of like your entire life. This really isn't that big of a deal, but when you're 12 and don't understand all of the changes that are going on and we've got this intensity it is very real to them. And so I think it's the way that we show up to them and validate that, I'm guessing as part of what you would say is being a safe place for them. So what's your take on like, how, how could I not having children of my own, how can I impact them? That is an amazing question because I know that you and I have also had conversations in the past and yes, that safe space is so important. And one adult, whether it's a parent, whether it's a teacher, whether it's a neighbor, whether it's a coach or whomever that might be that really 
creates this environment that they're able to come to and talk to them about anything in general and know that they're not going to be judged for it and they're not going to get in trouble, right? And so having that safe space is so important for youth in general and being able to just have open conversations is really important about all these things. Because if you think back in middle school, like you have all these hormones going on and you like have no idea what's happening in your life and your social circle is so important. But unfortunately, that tends to be the age range that we really start seeing. Well, I mean, bullying happens from grade school and beyond, but really like middle school is where a lot of people that I talk to, they say it's the, it was the worst time of their life. Mm -hmm. And so knowing that we have all these things happening in our body, and then we have to worry about being judged or being bullied or whatever it might be. And so having that one person to have that safe space to not be judged is so so important in a mm -hmm. youth's life and can potentially be that one person could save their life because they know they can call them and tell them whatever's going on. So I'm curious. I know so many parents, my own included, <laughs> okay, who have said, well, my kids know they can talk to me about anything. And yet, the kids don't go and talk to the parents. Where do you think that disconnect is? Why is it, what is it that where the words don't match the actions or the words, the, the trust doesn't come from words? Because you've mentioned non-judgment. I'm not going to get in trouble. I can have open conversations. I know they can call. Why is it, do you think, you know, the, the parent says, well, they know they can talk to me about anything, but yet the kid doesn't feel that. What are the actions that the parents or the others, other adults in the circle can take to present this non-judgment? You're not going to get in trouble. You can call me feeling in those kids. I, I mean, I can only really talk about personal experience and from what I've talked to other parents uh, that have taken our classes too, is that really when you say to your kid, like you have a voice, you can talk to me, right? But a lot of it comes from, I don't want to get in trouble, one, and two, I don't want to be ashamed or feel guilty or be judged potentially by my parents, you know, because I don't want to let them down. And that's what I hear more often than not is that we really truly, I mean, I love my parents and I put them on a pedestal, right? I feel like we all do even as adults. And I still, to this very day, like I don't want to disappoint my parents in all the things that I do. And I think that's really in general with youth is that if of course they can go talk to their parents, but one, I'm probably going to get in trouble depending on what I say. And two, uh, they're going to look at me different. And I, in the eyes of my parents, I don't want them to look differently. So mm -hmm. yes, you can create that space. You can give them the option to come to you. And I think that's really important to let them know that they have a voice and it's okay. Mm -hmm. And create those boundaries of, Hey, I may not really like what you say, to be honest, but 
I'm going to process the information. And instead of telling you that you're in trouble and grounding you, allow me time to process and then we'll reconvene. We'll see if punishment needs to happen or not, and then move forward from there. So, um, I love, I mean, I know you had mentioned to me like creating a secret word or a safe word, right? Um, Pineapple always pops in my head. I don't know why, but um, create that safe word of like, hey, I need to talk to you about something you're probably not going to like. And so now let's have that conversation. I'm probably going to get in trouble, but you know, it's better to know than not know. So, right. Well, and a couple of thoughts that come to me, number one, um, you made the distinction of, I may not like what you said. Um, and one of the things that I've always thought is really making sure that we distinguish between the behavior. I may not like your behavior, but I still love you. And man, I could go on forever about how much words matter and the way that we talk to ourselves and to our kids and to the people around us matters. And, you know, saying your behavior was irresponsible is different than you are irresponsible. Um, I see this even in my coaching you know, and the tutoring that I do. Oh, I'm bad at science. Well, I have a young adult that I'm working with right now who has this idea that she's bad at science simply because she got accolades for other things, but not for science. Mm-hmm. And so now she's trying to get into law school and on science-based passages in reading, she's struggling. And so, she, you know, because she got accolades elsewhere, but not here, she has this self-concept. It's amazing how self-concept happens. <laughs> but so really distinguishing between behavior or what you said, I may not like those things. I may not like the actions, but I still love you as a child or as a, a person. And then yes, the conversation about safe words. I also had somebody just post in our Facebook group today Uh, a a dad wrote a note to his teen that said something like, keep this note. If you ever have something to tell me that I might get mad about, but if you give me this note, I know this is really important. And it's an indicator to me that I need to take a step back and really hear you out that you're that the fact that you're talking to me about it is really, really big. And that I need to just hear you out and control my response. And that this is something really big. And so maybe it's a note that they can keep in their dresser or it's a special candle that they keep on the dresser or some little talisman that, you know, you can give to your child and say, here's the, here's the magic key, as it were, (laughs) that I know when you bring me this magic key, I need to stop. I need to really pay attention. And this is about to be serious. Uh, I love, I mean, that is an amazing idea also. And something popped in my head as you were talking about words. I think it's really important to talk about person first language. And what that means is that I am always a person before, whether it be my illness, my diagnoses, my challenge. Um, So yeah, it's important. Like what we tell ourselves, like you said, is that I'm not good at, like I say, I'm not good at math, but that's just the thought or belief that I have about myself. Right. Um, Also going into like, I'm OCD. I'm not actually OCD. I experience or live with OCD, right? So it's like those changes of words that you say to yourself and you say to others is also really important. So I love that you pointed that out. Absolutely. All right. So let's talk mood shifts and mood swings. 
because we women get a bad rap for them. Let's be honest. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And then not just young ladies or, you know, individuals identify or dealing with menstruation is the the respectful way to say it. Um, But we've got these hormones going crazy. 10 to 14, 10 to 15 is such an intense period. And they don't know how to control their emotions. And we can look at the kids and be like, holy crap, they're like psychotic, you know, tweens or they're adolescents or whatever the case may be. And sometimes it's really easy to write it off as they're just being tweens or teens. What do we really need to pay attention to from a mental health perspective? From definitely, and we did, we talked about, you know, all these things going on in our bodies. The biggest shift that I talk about is, say you have a teen or tween that is really super depressed, right? And you're like, I don't know what to do. I'm taking them to therapy. They're talking to this person. They're talking to that person. Um, They lay in bed all day. They're not moving, whatever's happening. And then all of a sudden their mood shifts. And as a parent for us, we're like, oh, like we take this breath of like, oh, okay. Now they're getting better. Everything's better. Um, and we just kind of are like, okay, now we can move forward. But that's the shift that I talk about the most, especially talking about suicide, because generally when we have that mood shift is when now they're planning and they now have a plan in place. So it's almost like they get a breath of fresh air, right? Like it's like now they're, the weight has been lifted off their shoulder because they know now how they're going to die, when, where, how, right? Like now they have all the pieces in place. And those are usually the shifts that we miss the most. And it can be both ways. So it's either depression to happy or happy to de- depressed. So those quick shifts is where we oftentimes miss when a youth is potentially going to complete the act of suicide. And so those are the biggest things to watch out for. And then going into, I mean, just hormones in general, right? Like that could be a whole another topic of conversation, but yeah, it's, it's watching those extremes, right? Like is your, is your adolescent consistently like with maturation and periods, are they constantly bleeding? Are they, you know, like there's so many different things that you need to keep an eye out for. Obviously it's more of a symptom. So they need to report it to you. It's not like you may see things in the trash can, right? But um, watching for those mood shifts is the most important. So the up to down or the down to up. And that is if they have been known in the past to have suicidal thoughts, or maybe you haven't had that conversation. Now is probably a really good time to have that conversation and ask the hard question. Are you thinking about suicide or are you going to kill yourself? So do parents really just need to be that blatant? Absolutely. And I know it's so hard. And, and I talk about this in all of our education classes, we actually practice saying those words because they are the hardest word to come out of your mouth, right? But being blunt clarifies the brain. And then that person can be clear on, is that what I am truly about to do? And you probably have to ask it twice because the first time as humans, we tend to give false or fake answers to get moved past. So if 
if you ask it twice, you're probably going to get the response that you need. You know, I, uh, I had a, a conversation with a mom a few years ago, maybe even just last year, where we had that this very conversation. And she says, but how do I ask it? And I said, you literally practice exactly like you just said, Kelly, you literally practice with the words coming out of your mouth. And she says, but it's so hard. And the only, like my immediate response without even thinking about it was, it's nowhere nearly as hard as going to a child's funeral. Absolutely. And I don't mean to be extreme about that, but the fact is, is that if suicide is in Colorado, the number one leading cause of death for kids between the ages of 10 and 14, it is a very real possibility, whether it's the, a child that is in our immediate circle or like our family or one of their friends. And so it's, you know, yeah, it's number one in Colorado, but number two nationally, like if this is something that we need to take action on. Okay. So you've mentioned your education a couple of times. I know we're <laughs> collaborating, excuse me, to promote the youth mental health first aid class uh, coming up soon. And I'm sure we will have more down the road. So even if you're listening to this podcast after July 9th, 2022, stay tuned because there will be more, but Kelly, talk to us a bit about the youth focused and just for clarity's sake, this is a youth focused mental health first aid. The people who should be participating are the yous and the me's, the adults who have youth in their family. This is not for youth to participate in. Correct. Yes. And I know it's so difficult when I, I'm like, we're doing the youth class and they're like, can I bring my youth? No, you can't. Sorry. But 18 and over can. So if they are 18 and over, um, so it's adults assisting youth. And yes, the class is coming up on July 9th. It's from 9 a.m. to 1.30. But you have to get registered as soon as possible because you do have two hours of pre-course work that needs to be done before you actually do the instructor-led portion. But it tells you how to recognize, how to identify and assist youth when in a non-crisis and crisis situation. And so it's really a great general overview of mental health in general. And it gives you just more ways to respond, more ways to assist or um, identify if they really truly are suicidal or not suicidal or if in crisis or not in crisis. And so, yeah, the class is, I love the youth curriculum myself, um, just understanding more about how to assist. And like you said, it's for parents, teachers, um, anybody in your community. And we would love to have you join us for that class. It's on a Saturday. So absolutely. And I do want to clarify, uh, this class is, as she said, July 9th, it's 9am mountain time. I know we have folks who will be listening who are in other time zones. We are offering it virtually. So you can join us from anywhere. And even if you're listening from outside of the U.S., suicide is not an American thing. It is a human thing. Mental well-being and mental health and mental illness are not just American considerations. They are human considerations. So just know that that is 9 o'clock Mountain Time, uh, 11 o'clock Eastern Time. And so I always like to wrap up by asking our guests which of our foundations of connection they like the best. For those of you, maybe this is the first time you're listening to the Parent Twin Connection Talks podcast, but the foundations of connection create the overall structure for our Parent Twin University. And if you happen to be watching on YouTube or listening, wherever, however you're coming to us, if you'd like a copy of our foundations of connection card to like 
hang on the refrigerator or the bathroom mirror or whatever, um, you can absolutely reach out to us on Facebook or via our website to ask for it. But I've asked Kelly in advance, which of the foundations of connection means the most to her resonates the most. And she told me it was the create a safe place or create a safe space. Kelly, do you want to add anything on relative to the the conversation we already had a, a few minutes ago about that? Yeah, I mean, it really just goes back to what I was sharing earlier is that you can really truly be that one person that can save a youth life. And so how do you create that safe space for them to be able to come to you and know that whatever you say to them is not going to potentially leave that space, right? Like you and I are, so we have to report, but it all depends on if they're in an emergency or not. However, you still need to create that safe space that they can come in and talk and be that one person that could save their life. Absolutely. You know, the final question I'm actually going to ask you, Kelly, before we wrap up, you've mentioned, or I've heard you say this twice, and I know why I understand the meaning behind it, but given that I do appreciate how much words matter, you have very clearly articulated completed suicides. You do not use the term commit suicide. Can you explain why? Absolutely. In the mental health space, we are really trying to change the verbiage due to stigma. Committed is based off of a crime and really truly somebody who completes suicide has not committed a crime. So we're trying to shift it to either completed or died by suicide so that we can have these good conversations and it's not such a negative connotation to really start breaking down that stigma. Awesome. 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 So if you are not yet a member of Parent Tween University, you may want to consider it because all of our podcast guests give us an exclusive training just for folks who are part of Parent Tween University. And Kelly and I are going to continue our conversation, number one, talking about a little bit about how the pandemic has affected youth and, you know, the in-school, out-of-school, some folks, some kids benefit from, from benefited from it <laughs> and some kids really struggled with it. But what I'm actually even more excited about is that she's going to give us a high level insight about how to create a safety or a self-care plan. And this is really important for the young adults, but also I presume for the older adults, like the us's of the world, not just the children or the kids in our lives, but how to create this safety or self-care plan. And this is actually something that she goes into a whole lot more depth on in her breaking the cycle of trauma curriculum, which there's more information in the show notes about that. So if you want to learn more about Kelly, about BCC evolution, about how BCC evolution came to be and all of that, you can absolutely check all of our show notes. All of her contact information is going to be there. So Kelly, thank you so much for being with us on Parent Tween Connection Talks. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. Well, that wraps up today's episode of Parent Tween Connection Talks. Be sure to check the show notes for any links we mentioned. Also, be sure to subscribe to Parent Tween Connection Talks on your favorite podcast app and on YouTube so you don't miss out on any awesome information. If you'd like your own copy of the Foundations of Connection, you can find it right on our homepage at parentweenconnection.com. 
Print it out, hang it on your fridge, and use it as a conversation starter with the folks in your family today. And if you want to feel more supported as a parent and have a closer, healthier, happier relationship with the tween in your life, enroll in Parent Tween University. For just $19.99 a month or $199 a year, you'll join a community of parents just like you who are dedicated to having the best relationships they can with their kids. You'll receive exclusive bonus trainings from many of our podcast guests and access to monthly group coaching calls based on my signature coaching program, The Foundations of Connection. So go to www.parenttweenconnection.com today to help ensure that you're the one your kids will talk to when they need someone they can trust. Until next time, keep talking and keep connecting.